Central Park Baptist Church. Good morning to you all. We're doing okay this morning? Amen. If you're able to rise, we'd like for you to join us in singing the first and last verses of hymn 502, hymn 502. If you're able to rest upon your feet for hymn 502. Because it's so hard to sing this, this hymn sitting down. <laughs> I stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead, till every foe is vanquished. 
and Christ is Lord indeed. I stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day, the noise of battle. The next, the victory song. To him that overcometh a crown of life shall be. He with the King of glory shall reign eternally. Amen. And you may be seated real quick. Uh, it, it, does anyone need a faith promise card this morning? Anybody? Just If you do, slip your hand up. These young men will get you one. All right, good. Everybody's got one. Thank you, men. I appreciate that. Uh, this morning at the end of service, not, not during the offering, but at the end of the service today, we will ha- have an opportunity to bring those and put those back up here in the offering plates and turn those in. Uh, but I want you to wait, please, till uh, after uh, Brother Sharon preaches today and uh, pray that God uh, will lay on your heart what the Lord would have you to do. Uh, this year uh, for Faith Promise Missions. If you have, if you've been watching the uh, the um, slides up here, or even looking in your bulletin, God's blessed us this year. We've uh, uh, we're going to be right at a hundred thousand dollars this year for for Faith Promise. So I'm thankful for that. Let me encourage you. You continue to give, and uh, God blesses a giving church. God blesses a mission giving church. Amen. So let me encourage you, you, you continue uh, to do that, all right? So make sure you get these cards, and we'll turn those in at the end of the day. Uh, it's good to have Brother Sharon with us today, and uh, I'm looking forward. The preaching has been awesome all week, amen? Yes, I mean, they, I mean, they, the standard has been way up here, Brother Paul. I'm just saying, I mean, you know, <laughs> we, we were talking to him a while ago. No pressure whatsoever, Amen. Uh, but if you'll let the Lord uh, speak to your heart today, you know what? The message that Brother Paul preaches today, again, it'll be right up here. So uh, God help us to do that. Well, let me pray with you. And uh, without uh, uh, taking up too much of Brother Sharon's time, I want you to, uh, I want him to come and teach to us. He said he'd be through by, you know, 10, 15. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and then remember, we're having lunch today. Okay. And, uh, and we're not getting in a hurry. We've got some specials. Our Korean uh, ministry folks are going to sing for us today Amen. in Korean. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, t- I'm looking forward to it. And uh, so that, that's just a neat thing. So um, it, it's just, we're just going to have a good time today. Amen. Amen. Uh, so let's pray, and, and we'll just get into the worship. Lord, thank you, God, for the day. Thank you, Lord, again for your goodness. And thank you for our folks that are here this morning. Uh, God, I pray that you'd bless today, again, as Brother Sharon comes and teaches, Lord, today about faith promise. And God, I pray that you'd give him liberty this morning. God, I pray that you'd rebuke Satan. Lord, he, he hates a mission-given church. Uh, but I'm thankful, Lord, today where, that you say where two or three are gathered together in my name, you'll be in the midst. So that means, old devil, he's got to get out, Lord. So I pray that, 
Uh, Lord, you'd just bless today. Bless uh, everything that we do. May we do it for the honor and glory of the Lord God today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come ahead, Brother Paul, and you preach for us. You can introduce yourself if you want to, however you want to do that. Yes, sir, I will. Thank you, Brother. I've known Brother Sharon a long time, so he's just going to have to make himself at home. Amen. Amen. Is it okay if I move this? You can do whatever. All right. Acts chapter 3, if you'll find your place there while I set up shop here. I am thankful to be here. Your pastor is one of my friends who um, I can say that I can call any time and share my heart with and know he'll pray for me and be there for me. And that means a lot in this day and age. It means a lot when you're in the ministry because uh, it's not like you can just call anybody and share your burdens with, but he's been such a friend to me. I am thankful he's allowed me to be here today and be a part of this. <clears throat> we have a great God. And we have a God who will do tremendous things if we allow him to. God is not weak in our day and time. God has not lost power. The reason we're not seeing the great movements in our time is because of us. If we would get right with God and we would get out of his way and let God do what he wants to, he can do a great work still in our country. Uh, we just need to be humbled. And, and I tell you, I'm standing before you today a humbled man. I promise you that. I'm not standing here in any form of pride at all. I am thankful the Lord is still using me today. And I hope that you'll see that through the preaching. Do you normally stand? If you normally stand, please do. I want to, I want to do what you normally do. <clears throat> I'm a visitor today and I want to be in line with you. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Make note of that. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have... Give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, that they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering." My hope and my prayer is that this week when you finish your promise to God that those in your community will see such a work done at a Central Park Baptist Church that they will wonder at the work God's doing here. That he will wonder. How we do that is by giving such as I have. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing me to be here this morning. And Father, again... Lord, if, if there's anything left that can be poured out of me this morning, Lord, then I pray you'll just pour it out and let me be a pure vessel for you this morning. Let me be a help to your people. Let me be a blessing to this church. And, Father, use them, strengthen them, and do a mighty work through them, Father, as I know you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When it comes to missions, <clears throat> I, I often say this to those who listen. You accomplish missions two ways, by giving and going. 
And it has to be a mixture of those. You can't just say, well, I'm going to give, let somebody else go. No, you have to go because the commission was given to you as well. And so we have to have great missionaries like Brother Sam Ward, who's doing a work there in Croatia. We need him to go for us in areas we can't go. But Brother Sam needs people like us right here at home doing our part too. And so we have to have both sections. And so it's a personal venture that we have to be a part of. I think also when it comes to missions, we need to look at the early church and stop trying to pattern after these new agers, do what God gave us at the beginning. I think if we do it God's way, it works every time. And I think it's what we'll see here in this. You say, well, how do you see missions in Acts chapter 3? Well, I think it's very simple. You can see missions in everything if you look for it. I think we just have to have a mind to look for, for missions. In this passage, we find ourselves looking at a good picture, <clears throat> what I'm going to call is the basis of missions, some key ingredients here, people with a spiritual need uh, and people who can do something to reach them. That's what you have to have for missions to work, people with a need and someone who knows how to help, right? That's what we have to have. The principle here is not one of giving by such a great faith, going out on that limb and doing something supernatural, but rather doing what we have the ability to do And if everyone would do their part, we would see missions change in our churches. We would see a tremendous awakening of real gospel messages in our country again if we did our part. And so... By way of example here, uh, you know, we, you may say, I've been given to Faith Promise missions every week, um, and you've trained yourself to do that. However, someone out there knocks on your door and says, hey, I need to be led to Christ, you're not going to say, well, I gave it church, right? Hopefully, you're going to be the Christian enough to say, well, come on in, let me show you what the Word of God says, and set them down and rightly divide the Word. But you'd be surprised how many of us have gotten lazy in our uh, Christianity, and we would prefer someone like Brother Sam go lead them to Christ. And so we've got to see how we do our part as well. And so missions is not just foreign, it's next door, it's across the aisle, it's across the street. It could be anywhere, the supermarket, your work, your school, whatever it is. The key is being such as I am kind of believer. And people often say to me, I don't have much to give. It's it's hard for me to give much. Well, praise the Lord, because he didn't ask for you to give much. It's not about the most, and I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in the morning service, but it's really about doing what you can, and you'd be surprised what God can do with you if you would allow him to. If you'd have told me, uh, you know, 30 years ago that uh, I'd be in my 26th year of pastoring, I would have said, no way, no how. Uh, Not me, didn't know enough about things, still a young Christian, but God does miraculous things, and he does his best work with those of us who realize we're nothing. And so let's give God the opportunity this week to do this with us. Um, I believe when people say they don't have a whole lot, I, I understand that. But you do have something God can use. So let's look at this becoming such a believer, uh, such as I have type of believer this morning. Number one, I want you to see God uses those who do what they're supposed to do. Right. It starts with doing what you're supposed to do. Look at verse 1 with me. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Now, it was the ninth hour, which was their hour of prayer, and these two are on their way. Now, I can be critical and say they should have already been there, right? Baptist preachers shouldn't be late to the party, right? right yeah. But nevertheless, they were on their way. They were headed to the place they were supposed to be. And as they're on their way, they notice that something is uh, going on. Something has happened. But I want you to notice before we get there, there was a specific time set for prayer. It was regularly scheduled, right. and Peter and John were doing what they were supposed to do. 
if we could just get Christians today, at least those who profess to be believers, to be in their place every time we have a regular set scheduled meeting, that would change the face of Christianity. Now, I'm not being critical, but I dare say to you, because I know this church has been here for a long time, and I've known your past for a long time, probably there are some here who could be here this morning that aren't for whatever reason. Maybe some are legitimate, some are not. But I know this, there are some today who have not decided to be where they should be on the Lord's Day. You're never going to be good at giving to missions. You're never going to be able to be good at reaching people with the gospel if you're not faithful to the house of God. Just not going to work. And so God's not going to use a Christian who is not doing right. Could he? Sure he could. But why would he bless someone for not doing right? Why would he look out for them and do things supernaturally for them who are disobedient? He's not going to do that. Christians should be in church. Hebrews still says not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's still in our Bible. That's still something we're supposed to be doing. Christians not only should be in church, but let me tell you another thing that we should be better at is praying. We should be faithful in our prayer one for another and for the cause of Christ. All the things he has us doing, we should be praying regularly. Do you know that prayer is one of the least things that Christians do. We, we get in our mind that, oh, well, uh, you know, God knows my heart, and God does know your heart, but he wants you to tell it to him. He wants you to communicate with him. Uh, the thing I love about my kids is they know how much I love them, and they know that I am thinking about them, but they still call me regularly, and I love that. Uh, my son's a grown man pastoring a church. He still calls me every Sunday night when he comes home from church. Hey, Dad, just want to check in, and I love that. And I know my Heavenly Father loves whenever I say to him, Hey, Father, I just want to check in. Just want to tell you what's on my heart, what's going on in my life. Luke 11 says, And it came to pass as they were praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I've always been impressed by the fact that the disciples realized the power of prayer, that when they were talking to Jesus in one of their most intimate times, they didn't say, Jesus, tell us to preach like you do, because when you preach, things happen. Yeah. They didn't say, teach us to heal people like you do, because when you heal people, they never are sick again. Right. Yeah. But rather they said this, teach us to pray. Yeah. Teach us to pray. You think they had seen him in his prayer closet? I bet they had. They had seen him getting along with the Father, and they had seen what John had taught his disciples about prayer, and they realized there's something there. We miss that in our day and time. Doing right is being in church. Doing right is learning how to pray and be effective help to those who need us. Secondly, I want you to notice this. God uses those who are willing to be interrupted. Look at verses 2 and 3. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried and laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Ask alms that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms. Now, they're on their way to church, and the, the, the pious religious man would say, I don't have time to stop somebody. I've got to be at church. Church starts at 930. I have to be there. Can I just tell you something? And Brother Delbert can chasten me openly if he wants to. But if you were late this morning because you were leading somebody to Christ on the highway, I bet you he's not going to be mad at you. Especially if you brought them to church with you. And they were leaping and praising God and excited for what God had done in their life. He's not going to be upset with you. But sometimes we're so rigid and so all about ourselves, we're not willing to be interrupted. And maybe God sometimes wants to interrupt us. How many people walk by this man before going to the same house of prayer? Here he is every day being laid at the gate, 
We don't know how old he is specifically. We don't know how long this process has been taking place, but we know it's been happening for quite some time. And all of a sudden now, someone's willing to be interrupted. Some folks say this, oh, those people, they've been like that for years. This is what I think about when I hear that. I was 21 years old before I heard a clear gospel presentation and got saved. I'm so thankful that church didn't say, oh, that guy's been that way his whole life. They could have, but someone was willing to be interrupted and take time to show me the truth about how I could be born again. And praise God, I was and am and want others to be. But it takes sometimes being willing to be interrupted from our regular schedule. We have to be doing what we're supposed to be, but also not so one-tracked that we're not letting others' needs be recognized. You know, these missionaries you've seen this week and you've heard from, uh, they're not just someone who is filling a void. They're someone who has needs also. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And if you really want to be a blessing, you'll do your best to try to meet those needs as your pastor directs you to. Because when you meet their needs and you interrupt your average daily life to help them go do what they're supposed to do, God does wondrous works. Yeah, right. Wondrous works. Yeah. It never ceases to amaze me uh, what God does when we step out of our comfort zone and we let our schedule be interrupted a little bit to help someone else. You probably, I, I don't know if uh, you've ever heard this before, but maybe you've heard of a place called Dead Man's Gulch. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of that. It's named that way because they found a man's body there in the ravine. What's not often told is why his body was found there. Uh, there was a man hiking and he had gotten lost and he had gotten hurt and he had fell in this ravine. And he had been there for uh, hours, uh, and, but what is not often told is there was a man there who actually knew the guy was there. He was a Russian butterfly chaser. He had come over here to chase a certain type of butterfly, and he had found this butterfly, and he was wandering up the mountain and down the ravines chasing this butterfly, trying to get his net over him so he could add him to his collection. And he heard the man crying out for help several times, and he ignored it because he was chasing his butterfly. Later on, when they found the body, they were reported back to the camp saying they had found a man's body in the ravine. And the Russian man said, oh, yes, I remember hearing someone crying out from the ravine. And they asked him, why did you not tell someone? And he said this, I was chasing my butterfly. I'm afraid too many of us are chasing our butterflies. Our butterfly might be the dollar. Our butterfly might be popularity. Our dollar might be uh, another man or a woman, whatever it might be. But be careful not letting God interrupt your butterfly chasing for what God has. So many of us are just so busy we can't seem to be uh, pulled away from things. And I'm going to tell you that I know what it's like to be busy. I, I like to be busy. That's how I'm best used. I'm not good idle. I'm just not. So I have to be busy, but Lord, help me ever be so busy that I can't do God's work. Lord, help me that I can't be interrupted for his work. God uses those who are in their place, but he also uses those who will be interrupted. Notice thirdly with me, God uses those who pay attention to the need. Look at verse 4. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. Now, I want you to get this. But Sam, I thought you would really get this because with your sign ministry, you know, when people lock eyes with you, you have to say something. Yeah. I mean, once you made that eye contact, you're, you're done. Yeah. So you can either get in your pocket, give money if they're panhandling, or you can stop and talk to them, whatever it is. But somehow, Peter fastens eyes on this man. 
And when they lock eyes, now all of a sudden he is being paid attention to. And when people pay attention to us with the gospel, we ought to have something to give them. It's a shame that in today's society, those who call themselves Christians can meet with people who are lost and they can tell us they're lost and some cannot lead them to Christ. If you can't do it verbally, at least pull out a track and give them a track and get their name so that somebody else can follow up with them. But you have to be willing uh, to, to pay attention to the need. God doesn't use people without needs, by the way. It's not like that Peter is the perfect disciple. You guys have heard of Peter before? I I called him, you know, hand and foot Peter because he always had one hand and one foot in his mouth all the time. Look in verse 6. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. I bet this was the deflating moment for this gentleman. He's asking for money. I need money. I need alms. And Peter says, well, I've got good news. I'm broke. But I have something better than money. I have something better than money. And so Peter here is not a person without needs. And it wasn't like God said, there's a poor man here, so I need to send a rich person to him. That's not the way God works. We think that way. But God really knows our needs are not always about monetary value. Mostly our needs are spiritual. And if we'll get our spiritual problems fixed, God takes care of the other things. Can I, get, can I just tell you, God's promised to meet our needs. And God is not a liar. And if there's a failure in God meeting our needs, it's not on God's part. It's on ours. So Peter here is seeing the need. He's going to give him something that this man has no clue of yet. His own needs didn't stop in the middle of this, by the way. He's got always using those people who have needs. I'm saying that to you for a purpose because some of you are thinking, if you only knew what my budget's like, I'm on a fixed income. I have responsibilities. I have kids. I understand all that, but here's the thing. So does God. And God can bless you uh, in spite of all the things you think are hindering you. If you allow him to. Yeah. I had a lady in my church one time. Her name was Oni. Uh, Oni was, uh, she was my talker. Uh, we, we used three forms of communication when I was pastoring that church. It was uh, telephone, telegraph, tell Oni. Amen. And, <laughs> and if you need to get it out, she was your woman. And she told me one year we were having a missions conference and we were talking about faith promise and she had never been involved in that before. She came out of a, a, a Southern Baptist church that just didn't do faith promise and, and had no clue about this. But she was listening in, intently and she said, you know, I'm on Social Security, preacher. And I said, I understand that. And she said, but I'm going to try God. And I said, well, I'll tell you this, he's not going to fail you. God doesn't fail. And about two weeks later, she came to church with a big smile on her face and she said, I just can't wait to tell you what God's done. She said, will you believe this? They gave me an increase in my Social Security. I said, well, praise the Lord. When the God affects the government, folks, that's doing something. Amen? But he met her need because she trusted him. She was willing to see that need, and she was assured that if God told her to do it, that he would meet that need, and he did. We have to be very careful that we're willing to see that need. Number four, very quickly, God uses those who inspire others. This man looked at Peter and he expected something. He had an expectation. Now, I don't know what you see here, but I see a man who's engaged by asking uh, and now has faith that something is coming. He thinks Peter has stopped. Peter has said he's going to engage me. So he's expecting something to happen uh, in this exchange. Peter and John got his attention. What you and I need to do is learn just like they did. When we get someone's attention, we need to inspire them inspire them. You know, this is what we're doing this week here at our, this conference, is that you have been 
having your attention made towards those missionaries and hopefully they have inspired you to see the need out there. And that's exactly what they're doing here. He's inspiring this man. We should show the lost that they have a need and they should be able to expect that you and I can help meet that need. John 3, 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but they believe not is condemned already because he had not believed in the, uh, the name of the only begotten Son of God. The lost don't need us condemning them. They need us to help them. And they should be able to expect, and I'm saying this for a purpose, they should be able to expect that when we talk to them, we can help them. But do you know what most of the lost here today from Christians? Well, you're a sinner. You're dirty. You're rotten. You're hell-bound. Hey, they already know that. You're not telling them anything they don't already know. They may not profess it. They may not even believe it. But the reality is they're already hell-bound. You're not spreading any new news. But why don't you inspire them to trust the same God that you trusted and change that. See their life change and see something new happen so that God can do a work in their life like he has yours. Now notice this. What they need and should expect from us is hope. Hope. That blessed hope. Do we understand the word hope, by the way? Whenever God calls it our blessed hope, He's not saying something that might come to pass or we hope comes to pass or maybe comes to pass. He's saying it's concrete, solid, assured. They need that. You know, this world is full of uncertainties. But one thing that we can rest assured in is the salvation that Christ gives us. And the assurity of God's word. We can take comfort in those things that they are solid. The world needs to hear this. Some will say, well, I'm not good at this or that. I don't have much to offer. Uh, You have something that no one else has. Your personality. Your view. Your experiences. Uh, Sometimes we learn that God allows us to experience things so that we can help others. Uh, I, I will tell you that sometimes those experiences aren't always the pleasant thing. But God does those to not only grow others, but to grow us. To grow us. Notice this, the fifth thing I want you to see is God uses those that use what they have. Look at verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. You know, people need to realize that we all have something to offer in the ministry of Christ. You and I realize that God doesn't have to use us. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. I just want to give you a couple of thoughts here on this particular, before I move on, especially when it comes to missions, because people say all the time, well, I don't really have a whole lot. That's not the issue. It's not about an amount. It's not a specific dollar that God's targeting. It's your willingness to give what you have. It's your willingness to trust him for more. And that you're willing to let God use you. So let me just throw a couple names out there. And I think you'll agree with me on this. When it comes to the flood, you and I would agree that God did not have to use Noah. But he did. You would agree with me that when it comes to getting the Israelites free from Egypt, God didn't have to use Moses. But he did. You would agree with me when it comes to feeding the widow, God didn't need Elijah, but he used him. You would also agree with me when it comes to David battling Goliath, God didn't need David to defeat Goliath, but he did. You know why David was used there? Because the, the Israel said, 
good night, he's so big, we, we can't overcome him. David said, good night, he's so big, we can't miss him. That's why God used David. You would agree with me that Pentecost, that God didn't have to use Peter to preach that message, but he did. When it comes to writing the majority of the New Testament, God didn't need Paul, but he used him. Why? Because they were willing to use what they had. You may say, preacher, I don't have a whole lot. Well, praise God, there's people out there who need you who don't have much to show them who don't have much how to find Jesus. So everyone can be used. Notice with me the sixth thing. God uses people who realize their source is God. Look again with me in verse 6. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It wasn't like Peter said, boy, you are so lucky we come by here today because you have the dynamic duo. You have Peter and John. We are the best two in the group. It's a good thing that we came by your way. You are so lucky. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, here's the thing, buddy. You got the two brokest preachers in the bunch. But what we can do is introduce you to our head, our Savior, our leader, and he can change your life. Now, most people would say, wouldn't it have been just easier to give him some alms? Well, let me ask you, would that have changed his life? God's not in the appeasing business. He's in the life-changing business. Notice this. Jesus Christ is the key. It's the key. You and I need to understand something. We have no power without Christ. Listen, but with him, we have all power. Let me remind you what the scripture says. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Notice this. Teaching to observe all things, and whatsoever I have commanded you, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. He has all power, and he has promised to be with us to the very end. All power is available. And we live in a powerless society. Uh, Here's the way I explain it to my church. The power that God offers and the power we use is like this. Uh, I don't know where the light switch is. Wherever the light switch is over there. The only reason why those lights are on is because somebody this morning hit that switch. The power was at the panel, ready to be distributed. But if you'd walk in this morning without somebody flipping that switch, you'd be in the dark. Let me say that again. If someone hadn't flipped that switch, you'd still be in the dark. There's a lot of Christians still in the dark today because they haven't realized how to flip that switch that God has given us to use, not for our glory, but for His. See, we're not doing this to see how good Central Park is. We're not doing this to see how good we are individually. We're doing this to glorify the Lord. We're doing this to be obedient to Him. And He said, I've given you all the tools. I just need you to use them. God uses people who are willing to do all they can. And we just need to get on board and realize that God has given us the opportunity. Number seven, God uses the people who are willing to do all they can and trust God for the rest. Here's the reality. You and I are limited, but he's not. He's not. My God has no limitations. I want you to look at this with me. 
because the charismatics really destroyed this passage. I want you to look at this very quickly with me in verse 6 and 7. And I want you to hear what God's word says. Because it doesn't matter what you and I think, it's what God says that matters. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now Peter says, here's the thing. The Lord Jesus can heal you. So what I want you to do is rise and walk. He has basically commanded this man to receive what God says can be done, right? Look at verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. That's important because most people read this and they say, as soon as Peter says, rise and walk, instantly he became healed. That's not what the scripture says. He's still lame after Peter says, rise and walk. It's not until Peter grabs him by the hand and lifts him. This is Peter walking by faith now. This is Peter saying, I need you to have faith, and because you're going to have faith, I'm going to have faith with you. I'm going to pick you up, and God's going to heal you. Both of these men had to walk by faith here. You know, we're asking these missionaries to go to their field and live by faith. But what you've got to do is help lift them and do your part first. And when you lift them, then we'll trust God for the rest. Look at the rest of verse 7. He lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. The immediately doesn't happen until Peter lifts. Peter did what he could and then he's trusting God for the rest. Peter prayed, Peter acted, and then results occur. How can we say we're people of faith if we don't put some feet to our faith? How can we say that we're doing all we can when we're not trying to be used of God? Now some people would say, well I would be certainly embarrassed to try to do something like that nowadays. Why? Has God lost his power? Has God lost his strength? No, no, I'll tell you what's happened is that we don't have the faith to trust God when God directs us. He wasn't doing this for a a Saturday night healing meeting. He was doing this because God directed him. Anytime God directs you, you obey. He, He was just simply doing what he could. And then the results, I love this. I would say that there are several people in my life that think that we have things or do things. And I just love to tell them, I just trust the Lord. Here's the reality. God just, I believe with all my heart that if God said he's going to meet my needs, then he will. And if God says I want you to do this, then he's still going to meet my needs if I do that. If God said give this, then I'm going to give it because God's going to meet that void somehow, some way, in a miraculous way. And I can tell you story after story after story of how God's done it over the years in my life. And it's not because I'm anything special because I'm not. It's just because I trusted him by faith. Notice this, the eighth thing. God uses people who want to give God the glory. Look at verse 8 through 13 with me. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. What a sight that must have been. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat at alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, which were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And as the lame man which was held... uh, which was held Peter, uh, healed, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together into the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, listen now, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why you look so earnestly on us 
And so by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Peter says, here's the thing, guys. First of all, you shouldn't be amazed what God does miraculous things because that's what God does. Second of all, you shouldn't look at us like it's us doing it because we have no power. It's the one whom you crucified. It's the one whom you denied. The one who you had no confidence in. It is him. He healed this man. And he's the one doing work in our lives today. He is the key. I would be willing to, to say that those missionaries that are here this week will tell you that everything that happens on their field is all the glory of God. All because of what he's done in their field. Not because they're great missionaries. And by the way, if they don't say that, then you probably ought not support them. But what they realize is that all we have to do is do our best, trust Lord for what He's going to do after that, and then give Him the glory. Give Him the glory. I love it when people come and say, oh, wonderful work has happened here, Pastor Sharon. How'd you do it? The Lord did it. When we were on deputation to plant this third church we're at, I had several preachers say, hey, won't you come in and tell us how you've planted these three churches and how... And all they wanted me to do was tell them what the system was. And boy, they were so disappointed whenever I got there and said, well, here's the thing. All three of them were definitely different. Nothing was the same. I wish it was just fill in the boxes, but that's not the way it works. You have to give the Lord what you have and meet the needs and and be willing to be used in whatever capacity he wants to use you. And then when it's all said and done, take all the blame and give him all the credit. That's what your missionaries are going to do. They're going to go to some field that they're called to. They're going to take all the blame for all the mishaps. And they're going to give God glory for all the things that he does yeah. in that ministry. Right. We could and should let God receive the glory for all that takes place. Every part that is good is God. And every part that's a mistake is ours. Yeah. So what do we see here in closing? We see here that these two men, Peter and John... Didn't have a whole lot, but they used what they had. Church members, if if you would just use what you have here at this church to serve the Lord, you'll be amazed at what God will do in your life. You'll be amazed what God will do through your life and how it will affect people around the world. I love it when we get to go places that people don't understand missions and I tell them that we have a worldwide ministry and we have a worldwide missions program and people say, man, how has that happened? And I get to share missions. They say, is that really how it works? It's how it works in the Bible. And I love it when they say this, will it work in this day and time? Listen to me, folks. Look up here. If it worked for them in the first century church, It'll work in this century. I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care what the charismatic movement says to you. I don't care what the joy boys on TV teach. It's biblical patterns and principles that work. And when you leave those, listen to me, when you leave those, that's when the pews will go empty and that's when the church will struggle because God will not bless a disobedient church. But he will bless 
an obedient church. Let's give such as we have. Amen. Father, we thank you again for the privilege of being here this morning. Thank you so much for this wonderful church. Thank you for this pastor leading them in the right direction. Thank you for their willingness to listen to another Bible-based message, Lord, on what it means to give on this level such as I have. Father, I pray that you'll use this to grow each one of us, not just those that are listening, but Father, even me, Lord, I can always learn to do better where I'm at as well. So Lord, I pray you'll take this message and let it be something that will begin to ferment in our lives and manifest into great works for you, Lord. We'll thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Preacher. Excellent. I like that. And sound like Brother Sharon was telling us, stay the course. Amen. Amen. Stay the course and let God use you. Well, you've got about 15 minutes, so uh, take a few moments and go to the restroom, get you some water. You know, if you didn't get a donut, you've got time to go do that. But uh, uh, be back in here ready to go at 1030. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.